live from the desert cities of Southern California. Your car is not a refrigerator. Getting all revved up. Now, here's Todd Bianco. Welcome, 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 welcome. I'm here with John McMullen. Hi, John. Hey, Todd. Last week, we did Bring a Trailer Picks. And if you remember, what did you pick? It was a Volkswagen thing, It right? was a thing. Yes. Um, it sold today. The auction closed today. And oh, it, it did? <laughs> yes. And it sold for $19,500. Wow. And yeah. Wasn't it under, I think it was like uh, under 10000 still when we were talking about it a week ago. Yeah, it was, and uh, I think it was like ninety five or something like yeah. that. And now it uh, closed at nineteen five. Wow! So there were a bunch of last minute bids, and people wanted it. But what I think is funny is that it, you know, you, the comments on Burner Trailer are really good. And this guy says, "Nice buy. Seems a little low compared to the last two sold, but probably a sign of the current situation that we are in, you know, right now." So uh, the two missing engine guards. If the buyer wants them, uh, they can get them at you know thethingspart.com. If you know that there's an actual website called thingparts.com. Hmm. <laughs> or Thing you parts. can also check on samba.com. S-A-M-B-A does uh, lots of Volkswagen things. So, you know what's uh, funny, I Todd, is, is that last week I picked a vehicle that was Volkswagen. I told you, I think at one point after my ownership experience with the Passat, which, by the way, I loved the Passat until I didn't because of uh, a decision by the manufacturer not to notify people about a known problem that had affected thousands of customers and destroyed an engine with one $5 bolt. But wow. um, And because of that and because of the, the way that they handled the situation uh, after the fact, I had said I would never buy a Volkswagen again. Uh, and yet I was willing to take my trailer and, and, and go get the, uh, the, the thing. And then this week, um, you asked me to come up with my own picks. And I just realized that while this is not truly a true blue Volkswagen, that, uh, Volkswagen is all over my pick again this week. It is. And what is it? It is a 1956 custom dune buggy. Yes. It's, it's kind of cool. You, need, you really need to see it. It's very cool. Yeah. It's like a, a you know, a dark, darker uh, blue uh, with um, a couple of roll bars and, mm-hmm. uh, and bucket seats. And it looks like it's a lot of fun. But then I saw the VW logo on both the wheels and on the steering wheel. Yes. Uh, well, it says it's a custom doom buggy is based on a 1956 Volkswagen Beetle Pan. I guess that's basically just the you know, the, the bottom of the car and, and the right. engine. It was acquired by as a project by the seller in 2016. The seller uh, has refinished this fiberglass bodywork in satin gray. So it's not blue. It looks it, blue it in the It looks pictures. blue. Maybe that's just a reflection yeah. from the sky I, on I, it. I think so. It says yeah. satin gray over black interior and power is uh, provided by 1.641 cc uh, dual port flat four uh, mated to a four speed uh, manual trans, uh, transaxle. The car is equipped with coil over springs, four wheel disc brakes, which is very nice. Uh, App controlled LED lights. 
uh, an interior, uh, an alternator conversion. So in other words, they used to have just a generator in these cars. And so they made it an alternator, which is a much, much more modern way of generating electricity and an updated wiring harness with digital instruments. So there you go. This buggy is registered as a 56 Volkswagen and is now offered at no reserve with records from the seller's ownership and a clean Utah title in the seller's name. So that's pretty cool. And they, they have lots of pictures of it. And I don't, I guess it's street legal. I guess since it has a registration, because yeah, it doesn't look no very street legal. there's no license plate on it, but that yeah. doesn't mean anything, so. Yeah, um, it, 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 maybe it is street legal. It could be, but. They uh, put a little spoiler like, on the back of it. It, it, looks, uh, it looks fun. Yeah, and it has a roll bar, so it does roll over. You know, you, you you've got some protection there. Yeah. So you know, it has that. I mean, the the but it, the but the lighting replacing the lighting replacements make it look very modern as opposed to very old. To me, it, it looks like look, a fun yeah, thing to old. have here in the desert. It would be, especially if you you know drive in those. You've seen those right off of Highway 111 where they have the uh, the ATVs that they rent. Yes, as you're coming yes, in uh, from the yeah. high, from the ten freeway into Palm right. Springs, yeah, yeah, they have that. So yeah, it's a um, it could it could be fun to drive on that. Although I don't think I'd want to drive it on a very hot day. No, you know, probably the not. This I think is probably more a of a little, of a spring and a fall car. Yeah, exactly. A little too a little too warm, a little too hot for the summer. Yeah. At least that. Uh, you know, is I speaking of Palm Springs, I did see I got I got in the mail today. I got a Todd Snyder catalog. And this guy is basically he designs sportswear. The entire catalog was shot in Palm Springs. Huh. So, you know, the, so they so pe- people love to shoot uh the their their catalogs here because there's sun all the time and the backgrounds of the mountains and the and the the homes and everything else give the the look they want i thought that was interesting so well this little uh, uh, bat buggy uh is uh, currently at seven thousand dollars so right and it's no reserve so it's got a few more days three more days left my pick was a 1989 Pontiac Grand Prix by ACS McLaren sold it sold Monday for fifteen thousand five hundred dollars, which is pretty much a fair price for that car. I mean, you know, even because you know these aren't that popular, these aren't like a you know a sought after muscle car. But this was a very unique car. I think somebody got a, a fairly good deal on it. So that was that was my pick from last week and my pick from this week. I'm actually going to have a couple. First of all, one of the things we talked about. Uh, was I, I talked about this 1989 Ford Mustang LX 5.0 uh, liter convertible. Uh, it had 4,000 original miles on it from 1989. Uh, and it sold today for $22,000. The original sticker price was 18. How but much it did it sell for? $22,000. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it, there was nothing that special about it, but it was really, really red outside and really, really red inside. And, right. you know, and it, it had air conditioning, which is, you know, a key thing for some of these cars. And, uh, yeah, it sold for $22,000. So uh, that's uh, I was surprised to see that. But, yes, it sold for more than its original sticker. Uh, you know, that was kind of a shock. And then there was another one that I saw that I just had to 
had to bring up because this is a car that I used to have. This is a 1989 Mercedes-Benz 560 SEC. Now, that was the big coupes that they made back then. Uh, And it was sort of like a, what do they call it? It's a Cabernet red over medium red leather interior. Now, I have sort of a fondness for this red leather because my first Mercedes-Benz was that color inside. It was smoke silver outside, but it was uh, the red inside, and that was a custom order from uh, Germany, and I was very, you know, thrilled when I got it at the time. Um, But this one has only 29,000 miles from 1989. Um, You know, it's beautiful. It looks like it just came out of the showroom floor. This thing sold today for $57,000. Yeah, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for this car. But, you know, it was basically a California car. It lived most of its life in California. It looks like, you know, it was sitting in a garage the entire time. Somebody was polishing it. I mean, there's, there's, it's basically a flawless looking car and these things will run forever. This is a, this is a stunning car. My favorite feature of this car, when you, again, it was a big coupe. And when you sat in the front seat and you got in, there's this little arm that would push the seatbelt towards you. It was called the seatbelt presenter. And, it, you know, so that you could you didn't have to reach too far back to, um, you know, to, to grab the seatbelt. Seatbelt presenters. Hmm. It's first car that ever had seatbelt presenters. <laughs> it's a great, great car. You can't, you can't, you can't go wrong with that. Uh, so, so this week I, I picked a much more mundane car. This is a 1991 Ford LTD Crown Victoria. Now this is basically a cop car, but this one was Grandma's car. Uh, it just, it just looks clearly. It, just, it screams Grandma all over it. It was a 1991 Ford LTD uh, Crown Victoria. It's just purchased new. It's very uh, beige. Yeah, it's well, you know, it's it's what do they say? It's called titanium silver, uh, or light titanium silver was the color. Uh, <laughs> uh, it has only forty-seven thousand miles. Uh, it uh, let's see, it has a vinyl half roof. You know, you, those you gotta love those. Uh, powers through a five-liter V8 engine. Bas- this is basically a Mustang platform, just on a bigger version of it. I mean, these were all called Fox bodies at the time. Uh, the Mustang was a Fox body car. The the LTDs were, uh, the, the, the Mercury uh, versions of those were the same thing as well. Now, it's offered with no reserve in all the factory literature. Uh, it, has, uh, it has automatic air conditioning, power adjustable, split front bench, trimmed in gray leather, no less. Uh, matching rear bench is detailed in the gallery. Wood trim, of course, it's fake wood, uh, accents the dash. It has cruise control, AM, FM, cassette stereo, Ford premium sound, uh, power windows and power door locks. Uh, let's see, a heated rear Oh, I love this. This is the heated InstaClear windshield. So this was, you know, something that was, if you had snow, this was really good because it would melt the windshield off. I mean, you know, melt the snow off the windshield. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see, instrumentation. It has a horizontal speedometer that goes up to 85 miles per hour. (laughs) You'll be barreling down the freeway in that puppy. You bet. <laughs> you know, gauges for the engine temperature and all that other stuff. I mean, but this kind of car is though is 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 really just basically a barge. 
and it will run forever. <laughs> I mean, there's, you know, there's, 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 there's parts forever for a car like this. Right. And uh, they're very inexpensive. And this thing had just, just about everything that was, uh, that was an option for, you know, it was the top of the line LTD Crown Victoria LX. It even has the, you know, the hood ornament on it to show you that it's the Crown Victoria. And it's also the, uh, it has the, you know, they don't do this here in California. They, they used to, but they stopped doing it in the 60s for some reason. You know how the dealers used to put their own, you know, like on the back of a car. You right. Know, it would say Crown Victoria. This also says there's a, there's a badge on it that says Jim O'Neill Ford. So that, you you know, it's like their permanent advertising. We just have it on the license plate frames if you, you know. Right. It, it, sh- it says that. But these are, you know, like like glued onto the car, Jim O'Neill Ford. So, yeah, this is quite the quite the quite the fun uh, barge. Uh, you know, again, it will seat six easily. Uh, get bad gas mileage, but who cares? Uh, it's a it's a it's a great car. Yeah, nobody's driving anymore, so gas is going to be next to forty five cents a gallon here before too long. Yeah, it's, it, gas seems to be sinking. I, you know, again, it's, it's all part of this. You know, I guess the Saudi Arabia fuss with with uh, Russia or something, and and the gas prices are the most affordable I've seen them in a very very long time. I've been taking notice since since we talked about it last week, and prices are really low. I've seen yeah, some. Yeah, if you go up into in the, the Central mid- Valley area of California, it's now below two dollars a gallon. I think it was somewhere between a buck seventy five and a buck ninety five a gallon up there in farm country. And, and that's hard to believe just because, you know, usually we just get screwed all the time. And that that equates better with some of the ones that we talked about, like that were in Michigan that were like 89 cents, like at Costco. Yeah. Uh, you know, we do have, you know, that taxes that are on top of that, that, you know, pay for various things in the state of California. So that means that, you know, the gas itself was probably like a buck a gallon, which is the cheapest I've seen it in, you know, very, very long time. Well, Todd, I have Her. a second pick this week, too. We can talk about next. Absolutely. And I have a second one, too. So when we get back, we'll talk more. Bring a trailer. This is Todd Bianco. I'm here with John McMullen. You're listening to All Ripped Up on IF Radio. From the desert cities of Southern California, your car is not a refrigerator. Getting all revved up. Now, here's Todd Bianco. Welcome back. I'm here with John McMillan. Hello, John. Hey, Todd. We've been talking uh, cars on Bring a Trailer, and you had a second pick, which is really quite lovely. You know, uh, there's a backstory to this, because after I saw my dune buggy uh, today, I... um, I went and I put into the search on bring a trailer uh, Chevelle because mm-hmm. my friend, my high school buddy, Doug Grenfell, had a 1968 Chevy Chevelle um, when we were in, well, I was a, a junior and he was a senior. And uh, it was a burgundy color on the outside with a black interior, but there was only one that was that year that I saw that was this uh, silver 
one with a very, very, very red interior. But it it's is still, red. It was, uh, it's still, to me, quite cool. I think, to me, this uh, represented a very sexy muscle car at the time. And uh, I always loved being in his, his car with him um, uh, when we'd be out cruising around. And uh, it was a fun car to be in, and, and it brought back some good memories. Yeah, I, I had a friend whose sister had, a, I think it was a 71 Chevelle Malibu, and we used to drive around in that car and, you know, really thrash it. It was just basically the 350 V8 with the, you know, an automatic transmission, but we thrashed that car as much as we could possibly do it, but it was his sister's car, and we, we did that. You know, one of the lovely things about these that you don't see very much anymore is that it's what the, what they call a pillarless hardtop. In other words, it's a coupe, but it doesn't have a, you know, the first pillar on a car is your A pillar, and that's where your windshield uh, meets the roof. There's usually a B pillar, and that's where the first door also meets the roof. You know, there's usually a pillar there. This right. one does not have a pillar. It's just, uh, it's all wide open with the window and back. You roll right down. So it's all, you know, all's open to the wind and the air. It's just lovely. It's a great look. They don't yeah. do it as much anymore. I mean, they used to, but they don't do it. I think Mercedes does it on their coupes, but uh, BMW doesn't do it. It's also these, fun because it's a four-speed. And- yes, fun. Let's see, let's see what it says. It says, this 68 Chevrolet Chevelle Malibu Coupe was disassembled, refurbished, and modified prior by the prior ownership as the SPC performance display vehicle for the, 19, for the 2018 SEMA which is a specialty equipment manufacturer association show in Las Vegas. And it was purchased by the seller in 2019. The refurbishment included a body off repaint in silver over an upholstered, reupholstered red interior. And it is red. Uh, the power comes from a fuel injected 383 cubic inch V8 paired with a four speed manual transmission and a positive traction rear axle. Additional modifications include 17 inch American racing wheels, QA1 coil over suspension and CPP four-wheel disc brakes as shown. They also It also has uh, aftermarket what they call, um, oh, it's, it's an air conditioning system. It's uh, vintage air, which does really great air conditioning systems for vintage cars. It makes it look like it was built into the car. And so it has vintage air built into it as well. It's quite lovely. I mean, the, the, the bucket seats are, are great. I mean, they don't have headrests. You know, who cares about safety? And it has the, you know, red carpet. It's the big, then the big pedals for clutches and brakes. It's just great. Lovely car. And, and the console, of course, shifter. It's wonderful. So thank you for finding that. I, I enjoyed that very much. My second pick is something that you're going to laugh at again, but this is another one of these you just don't see it very much anymore. And this is this was a 1985 Pontiac Fiero. Oh with my goodness! Four, with 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 fourteen thousand original miles, it was a Fiero GT. So this car, which is again, it's very rare. They, they, they you know, these were these were the uh, ones that didn't. Uh, these were the ones that actually worked because the first first uh, few years of them, they had engines that basically failed. Yeah. But this eighty this eighty five Pontiac Fiero GT, it looks like it again, like it rolled off the showroom floor, and it only has fourteen thousand miles. It's said to be a lifelong California car. And now shows just 14,000 miles finished in Fiero red over tan cloth interior. The car is equipped with a mid-mounted 
2.8 liter V6 with a three-speed automatic transmission. Recent maintenance uh, performed by the seller is said to have included repairing the air conditioning, flushing the fluids, and uh, performing a tune-up. So it's offered now. It's in where is it? It's in Burbank. Uh, so that's not far from me, actually. The GT package was first offered in 1985, so this is the first year, featuring a front air dam, side skirts, and rear wing, as previously equipped on the Fiero Indy. I'm not sure uh, they, I could fit in that thing. I I, uh, I had a friend who a little, had one. It's of them. a little tight. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it has retractable headlights. I love the interior. It looks like it's all velour, like brown, different color brown velour. Everything matches. The interior is brown. The carpets are brown. It has an AM FM stereo ca- uh, cassette from Delco, uh, you know, factory air conditioning, power windows, power door locks. This had this was basically a fully loaded because this has everything that you could have ordered at the time. And they kept it in absolute pristine condition they don't give a backstory on this other than it was you know living in california all its life you can tell that by the carfax reports that are always on these cars but um wow i i think it's just really cool it's sold today though for ten thousand five hundred dollars somebody got a good buy wow lovely i mean lovely car from a different era you're listening to todd bianco and john mcballin this is all revved up on ihub radio we'll be right back From the desert cities of Southern California, your car is not a refrigerator. Getting all revved up. Now, here's Todd Bianco. Welcome back. I'm here with John McMullen. Hi, John. Hey, Todd. Now, we have a terrific America tire shop in in town, don't we? The one at Ramon and and, uh, Gene Autry? We have actually a few of them, but uh, there's one there, and there's another one down the street on Ramon in Cathedral City at Date Palm. Right. I just got an email from them, and it's interesting to say this is what they're doing to, you know, try to promote business and to make it as easy as possible. First of all, they're you know, if you get one of their credit cards, they give you and you know, charge the tires on it. You get ten percent back of your purchase price plus zero percent financing for twelve months, plus a hundred and twenty up to hundred and twenty five dollars in rebates from select manufacturers. But it says we're here to help our customers stay safe and on the road for their essential travel. Uh, we're pleased to offer these savings through April 30th. Rebate equals 10%, blah, blah, blah. Then it goes on to say, pay online and receive expedited check-in. Save time on your next visit. Purchase your, uh, your purchased items will be saved and ready to install upon arrival. They have a, a, you know, a, a service called Treadwell. It's, you know, it's basically find the right tires for your cars. You know, yeah. It asks you what kind of car you have and what the model and make is and you know, size of the t- you know, wheel and that kind of thing. And it will tell you what tires are available for your car. So it's called Treadwell. 
Uh, and that's part of, you know, part of America's hire. And then it says if you schedule an appointment, you'll receive uh, next in-bay service. So upon check-in with a scheduled appointment, you'll be first in line for the next available service bay. And they have all, you know, for you to check out, you know, click here and schedule an appointment. So this is what they're doing to try to make it, you know, as contact as contactless as possible. So everybody's thinking about it one way or another. It's requiring, you know, what's the saying? Uh, necessity is the mother of invention. That's so, correct. You know, I, this, I actually like this. I mean, I would rather have it like this all the time. Yeah. Well, where you don't have to get hard sold by somebody too. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, I would rather pick it online, know exactly what I want, pay for it, and then schedule my appointment to come in and do it and basically get it done when I want it done. And not have so to I think, think about being upsold. Exactly. So this is what it is. So yeah, exactly. Same thing. Now, <clears throat> you know how big uh, states, I mean, states love to give away money, like basically corporate welfare to any corporation that wants to locate there. You know, it's a very common practice, unfortunately. And, you know, the states bid against each other to get no, you know, new factories or new business, that kind of thing. Well, Missouri has submitted an official bid to Tesla for the Cybertruck Gigafactory, and they claim it's worth a billion dollars in incentives. Uh, Colorado, Arkansas, and Tennessee are also in the running. But according to the Joplin Globe, you love that, the Joplin Globe, uh, the incentive package includes, one, a 1,042-acre site that would be sold at 50% discount to Tesla, two, a 100% tax break for 12 years, Three, state incentives would include Missouri Works tax credits to provide capital as well as funding to buy equipment and assistance with workforce training. Uh, Missouri Automotive Manufacturing Incentives, Missouri Builds, and the state and local sales tax. Did you say a billion? Yes. Because I got news for you. iHub Radio could go to Missouri for a billion dollars. Uh, yeah, I could go there for a billion dollars too, but that's what I mean. You know, basically, it's it, but it includes things like tax break and you know the, the you can you know the fifty percent discount on the land. So it's not like they give you cash, although some of it is actually cash to uh, apparently buy equipment and and uh, to train the sales force. Uh, so let's see, uh, they they say that um, that Tesla would save about seventy five million dollars a year in payroll compared to Nashville or Austin, Texas, which are apparently front runners due to due to the lower cost cost of living in Missouri. Mm. But the financial incentives are not the only factor. Musk says that the incentives must play a role, but they do play a role, but so do logistics costs. And uh, so what they say is that the site would have rail access to the, to the, you know, they would extend a rail line there uh, and they're near interstates 44 and 49. And within minutes of the Joplin Regional Airport, is that a place? Joplin claims that they are that they are the the uh, trucking capital of America. Did you know that? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, it says that uh, it gives Tesla front row access to its uh, next market with uh, with four of the largest trucking companies within a 60 mile radius. And as far as workforce go, they say there are 193,000 people in the workforce within a 20 mile radius. But what about quality of living, Todd? <laughs> oh, but it's cheap, John. No, I mean quality of living. <laughs> but it's cheap, John. <laughs> yeah, I get that. But what about yeah. quality of life? You know? Well, that's well. I would rather. Would you rather live in Austin, Texas, or or in uh, or in Joplin, Missouri? Probably in Austin. 
Yeah, Austin's a much nicer state. I mean, not much, much nicer city. At least it would be to me. It's an but oasis they, in the middle of a sea of insanity. Yeah, that's well. That's the problem. It's like the island in the middle of, of Texas, right? Yeah, so, yeah. It's a it's a lovely place, but uh, yeah, they say there's a, so there's with you know another two hundred seventy nine thousand people within a thirty mile radius, and they have a, a whopping hundred and fifty battery engineers and more than five hundred licensed engineers within a sixty mile radius. And I keep saying, but you'd have to live in Joplin. Right. <laughs> you know, that, that, uh. that's, the, that's, that's the only problem here. So, yeah. So, I, there, there's, you know, I, I don't know what Tesla's going to choose. But, it, you know, Elon was very clear he wanted to reduce the, the uh, logistics cost. And so they wanted to be as close to the center of the country as they could. And basically, uh, I think the center is closer if you go to uh, Kentucky or to uh, Tennessee, like where, where they were talking about Nashville. So we'll see what they what they actually do, but they haven't made any decisions yet. Um, the German automotive lobby, the German, uh, basically the dealers and the, uh, but you've heard, they have a there's a big union in um, Germany called IG Metal, and they basically employ all the people who work in all the the in, in the factories uh, in. Uh, all the car factories and the, uh, the parts factories in Germany. IG Metal is very, very powerful. They hold seats on Volkswagen's board. They hold seats on the boards of BMW and of Daimler. You know, they, they, because in Germany, uh, they are required by law to have re, uh, representative, rep, representatives of employees on corporate boards so that they are part of the decision-making process. I know that sounds very strange here, but that's very common in Germany. They want to reopen sales because they say that there's a risk of most of them going bankrupt if they don't do something, and they've got too much inventory, so they would love to start sales again. They tanked by 38% in March, um, and factory shutting down is triggered you know, by the coronavirus, uh, lost production of 1.47 million vehicles so far, wow. according to the European industry lobby. That's all of Europe, not just the Germany, but that's that's a tough that's a tough uh, tough pill to swallow. So they would like it to be opened back up. Uh, Merkel's a smart woman, and she knows she's uh, have how many doctors does she have? Like two or three. Anyway, she's she'll follow whatever the you know the the science is here, and I we'll see what happens on whether they get back to work. Cadillac is not going to throw away a good name, even though they're throwing away a good engine. Uh, last year they they had a they had a brand new V8. It was a twin turbo. Uh, uh, V8 that they put in the Cadillac CT6, which was their which was their you know top of the line sedan. Of course, they've now discontinued the, the the CT6, and of course there goes the V8 with it. But it was called Blackwing. I think Blackwing is a terrific name. I, for whatever reason, I you know I, GM is good at naming things. Uh, so they're going to have what they call a CT4 and a CT5. So that's a small sedan and a medium-sized sedan. They're going to call them black Blackwing models. And those are going to be their hot rod models that are going to compete against, you know, like uh, the, the the likes of a like a BMW M or a, an AMG model from Mercedes. I, I don't know who's going to be I don't know who's going to be buying these cars because I don't see Cadillac being a competitor anymore to either Mercedes or BMW or Porsche, but um uh, somebody, I guess, thinks that they're going to be. It's nice that Cadillac wants to still do these kinds of cars. I mean, you know, kudos to them for trying. But I don't know who's buying these cars anymore. I don't. I don't see that many in in the valley. Do you, John? 
not really, no. Uh, yeah, new new Cadillac sedans. I don't see. I see the crossovers more, but I don't. And I see and I see the big Escalade, you know, like those. But I don't see sedans very much. You why know, do you, just, why do you suppose like that. that is? Uh, I, well, you know, people are obviously not buying sedans, but I think Cadillac has fallen out of favor as far as sedans go. I think basically the the Escalade was the one that caught on, and that's the one they're keeping the you know the name of, and that that's their biggest. I'm sure that's where they make all their money is selling you know big SUVs, uh, and uh, you know because they have. You ever crossovers. think we'll get back to the day of the the classic uh, land yacht that they made? <laughs> Well, I don't, you know, they they don't even offer it anymore. I mean, they discontinued the CT6 and that it wasn't even that big. I mean, it was, it was like a little, it was a little bit bigger than a BMW 5, but not quite as big as a BMW 7. So it was sort of this in-between thing. And what's, what's difficult about cars like that is how do you cross shop it? You know, do you cross shop it with the, you know, cause it, you're, you're told that it's the Cadillac flagship. Okay. That's fine. So do you cross shop it with a Mercedes S-Class? Do you cross shop with a BMW 7 Series or do you cross shop with something that's a little smaller like a, a Porsche Panamera or a, a BMW 5 Series or a Mercedes E-Class? I mean, I don't know. And that's part of the problem is that they don't really fit into any good category to shop them. And I, I think people have basically gone to German cars for these kinds of things. At least that's how I see it. Maybe I'm wrong, but – uh, I, I don't see them you know, really coming back up anytime soon, but I mean, good for GM, you know, for, for doing this and for trying anyway, Tesla actually won a monetary settlement against a driving, a startup called Zooks. And it wasn't for stealing and it was for stealing trade secrets, but get this Zooks is a Z O O X is based in San Francisco. It's a secretive startup that's been developing fully electric uh, vehicles that are autonomous they've actually been testing them on the streets of san francisco and i forgot there's another city san diego or something like that but they're testing them uh, in a couple of cities right now um but here's what happened according to the lawsuit the dispute arises out of the uh, efforts of zooks a competitor to tesla and several now former tesla employees to steal tesla's proprietary information and trade secrets to help zooks leapfrog past years of work needed to develop and run its own warehousing logistics and inventory control operations yeah. Okay, so that was what they stole from Tesla. The name and you'll love you'll love how they did it. The named former employee is absconded with the select Tesla proprietary uh, documents useful to their employer, and at least one of them used Tesla's confidential information to target other Tesla employees for hiring by Zooks. Uh, in the process, they uh, misappropriated Tesla's trade secrets, violated their agreements with Tesla, and breached their duties of loyalty. Love that. With all with knowledge and support of Zooks. As a result, Zooks will be um, making a monetary payment to Tesla. Now, these people actually emailed the stuff from a Tesla account to their private account. Hmm. So Tesla could trace it. And then, and then they, 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 you know, there, there was another one that was sent from a Zooks account that was almost identical to another Tesla document. So they could prove that it was essentially their document. They did a cut and paste to the name Zooks on it. Uh, something about crooks are stupid. 
<laughs> it's really stupid. So they won the lawsuit. Now they have to pay Tesla. <laughs> Who knows what they're going to do? But uh, they do have to pay them now. And uh, the employee, they have to now search for any other confidentiality agreements and make sure they are not being breached and, and not screwing over Tesla. So there you go. You're listening to Todd Bianco. I'm with, here with uh, John McMullen. This is all revved up on IHUB Radio. And we'll be right back. Weather, truth, and fun. We're iHub Radio, homegrown in the Coachella Valley. For the love of cars, this is All Revved Up. Here's Todd. Welcome back. I'm here with John McMullen. Hello, John. Hello, Todd. Before the break, we were talking about this company called Zooks, Z-O-O-X, and how they stole stuff from Tesla. During the break, I found out, I, I found the actual, what they did, and it, I've got to read it to you because it's too good. Okay. Um, one, one defendant emailed two confidential Tesla documents to his personal email address with only the words, you sly dog, in the body of the email. Another defendant sent four confidential Tesla documents to his personal email account with the subject line, good stuff. That same idiot, after he began working at Zooks, mistakenly sent an email to one of the defendant's old Tesla email address, (laughs) attaching a modified version of a Tesla proprietary document freshly emblazoned with the Zooks logo, yet still bearing the exact layout, design, and other vestiges of the Tesla version, showing without a doubt that the defendants are actively using the Tesla information they stole. Oh, God. It's <laughs> pretty bad. Doofus. Yeah. Oh, and the other city they're testing it in is, is uh, Las Vegas. So Zooks is testing in San Francisco and Las Vegas. So if you see a car wandering around without a driver in Las Vegas, that's Zooks. Uh, Chinese EV maker Byton, B-Y-T-O-N, is in pre-production in China. The first batch have already been rolled off the assembly line. The production SUV was shown at CES 2020. Now, if you it, you cannot mistake the interior because it has a 48-inch display, uh, 48-inch across the, the entire length of the dashboard, hmm. uh, and and it has a it has another display in the middle of the steering wheel. So it's hard not to miss you know you can the the and the exterior is pretty boring looking you know crossover mid-sized suv but uh, the inside is you know gives you the wow factor with all these big screens around and um they were they're not they haven't said if they're going to change their plans but they plan to start delivering in early 2021 uh though the company hasn't said anything about that but they have restarted their chinese plan and they do plan on you know importing them to the united states uh, to sell here. They've already found some dealers to to work with them. Uh, and then speaking of that, they've also found a, a, ch- a partner for their home chargers. And of course, you know, it's Amazon. 
So initially, the agreement will result in a program for coordinated installation of level two uh, home wall box charging points. The company will offer charging solutions, including battery storage and energy management solutions. In addition, Byton formed a partnership with Electrify America. That's the company that was formed by Volkswagen as part of their diesel Dieselgate, you know, their settlement. And that's where they're building, you know, electric charging stations all around uh, the country uh, to help alleviate the uh, the issues with charging for electric cars. So, Biden's also formed a partnership with them. And for the first 48 months of ownership, you get 30 months, I mean, you get 30 minutes free at any Electrify America charging station for that, you know, for two years, essentially. That's a pretty good deal. I mean, at least you know you can plug in and you won't have to pay for it. Right. So, I mean, you know, that's good. My, my concern about these things is that, you know, the, Electrify America is charging so much money for their, for their, for their, um, they're charging that it's going to turn people off. Even though they do have the capability of doing fast charging, they're charging you more depending on the speed of your charge. So, Charging at 150 kilowatts means you're charging very fast. A Tesla vehicle can charge that fast, and so can some. Of, so can the Porsche uh, Taycan uh, charge faster than that. Some can charge it up to 350 kilowatts if you can find a charger that has that kind of capacity. And right now, the only chargers that have that capacity are built into the. Uh, uh, the actual dealers. If you go by the Porsche Palm Springs dealership, they've actually built these uh, charging stations there for the Taycan. And uh, you can see them, they're right on the lot there. So if when you drive by or drive onto the lot there, you can see where they have the charging stations for the Taycan. But that's the only place where you can charge it as fast as, you know, as they say you can. Uh, but they're charging by the minute, not by the kilowatt. It should be charged by the kilowatt, not by the minute. So, um, Tesla only charges you by the kilowatt because the kilowatt, the, the, the rate of charging slows as you fill your battery. So it's very fast. If, you know, if you've got a low battery, it's very fast for, say, the first half or, you know, two thirds of your charge. And then the last third is actually, you know, slows down as the battery gets warm and as the batteries uh, fill up. So it slows down. So you're charging by if you charge by the minute, you end up getting charged more than if you get charged by the kilowatt. So. That's something to think about when you're when you're you know, charging an EV. Um, Ford is having another better idea. Did you know this? There's, Ford has filed a filed a trademark. Uh, they, this was found. You know, Reddit apparently has everything there is to find. But there's a Ford mock E Club forum on Reddit. Of course, uh, that's the yet to be uh, sold. It's coming soon. Ford electric SUV. Apparently, they filed a trademark name, Fastor Charge. F A S T O R. So they're going to call their network the Faster Network Charge, the Faster Charging Network. I think it's really stupid, but but uh, Ford, I guess, wants you to charge your car at the Fastor charge station, and they're going to, of course, for the Mach-E, and of course, there's the upcoming uh, electric F-150, and uh, Ford is also having uh, Rivian, the uh, electric truck manufacturer in Illinois, they're going to be uh, manufacturing a um, an SUV for Lincoln. So Ford will have a bunch of EVs shortly, but I think that some of those are going to be delayed. If Rivian is delaying the the uh, delivery of their pickup truck, I'm sure that they're going to delivery they're going to delay the delivery of their 
uh, SUV, which is called the R1S, because everything's getting pushed back because of the delay of the COVID-19 uh, viruses causing um, all over the place. So um, we'll see. Uh, Volkswagen says that they're pushing back delivery of their ID3 hatchback in Europe to the summer. Of course, the COVID-19 pandemic has you know, caused delays for those as well, but there's persistent rumors that the software is not working properly. VW says that it will drop all 30,000 vehicles at the same time. This is in Europe only because they're doing an ID4 crossover here, uh, giving mostly to their employees. Frankly, I think VW should only deliver to their employees right now because if the software isn't working, you don't want that car in the hands of customers who are going to be really pissed off. It's one thing if you give it to employees because you know that they can, you know, they have a little more forgiving, but customers are a little less forgiving when the software doesn't work properly. So uh, all the cars that are sitting there that they've manufactured have to be individually uh, updated with the correct software if they ever get get it right. But that's coming, they say. They've got, you know, engineers working day and night on it. They've got it like, a, you know, like a, a war factory there um, trying to get all the software to work. So. Good luck to Volkswagen on that. I wish them the best. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to All Revved Up. I've been having a lot of fun here with John McMullen, and I appreciate you, John, uh, coming on with me. Um, Absolutely. Thank you. And we'll see you next week. This is All Revved Up, and thanks for listening. Bye-bye.